1: Polaris studio here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuades. welcome back happy to be joined here in just a moment by Angel Villanueva offensive lineman of the Montana Grizzlies for a number of years we'll get to him here in just a second if you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can check it out on the podcast. The podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. It's available thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. You can rate, review, subscribe, listen to it on your own time. I mean, it is all your own time right now. What are you doing? 3 a.m.? These people out there at 3 a.m.? They need some two on new one. I get that. If you want to listen live, you can do that too. Be on the cutting edge with us on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. you listen live on the stream. The stream available all the time thanks to Opportunity Bank your local bank, your opportunity. We go now to the Regus Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the aforementioned starter, the offensive lineman, an all-conference player in this is senior season, a guy who's had quite a row with the University of Montana football team, Angel Villanueva with us live on the show. Angel, thanks so much for being with us, man. How are you?
2: Oh, man, I can't complain. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's a blessing.
1: Well, we're certainly happy to have you on, and, and we appreciate you being with us. And I'll tell you what. Any guy who played with the Montana Grizzlies over the past four or five seasons has quite a story to tell. A couple different coaches, and for you personally, came in, was starting as a freshman, went through some injury stuff, went through some, you know, weight gain, then weight loss stuff, and you come out the other side, an all conference performer in your season, season, senior season on probably the most improved unit in the Big Sky Conference. What was it like, especially this senior year, in the second year of Bobby Houck, for you to come through and really perform at a high level on the football field given everything that you'd gone through
2: oh man you can't even put into words I I just sit here and try to reflect on just the different obstacles um there's no words to really describe it other than just being thankful you know and it's definitely something that I don't toot my own horn about because it was those guys in that locker room that made it worthwhile It was those guys that put me in that position to be able to finish uh you know that senior season no matter through all the ups and downs and it was because of those guys that I was able to to get it done and do my part to the best of my ability.
0: Angel Coulter is here, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. You talk about going through with the guys in the locker room, and we're going to have Cy Sermon on later on this week. We're going to have Josh Sandry on. There's a group of you guys that were those fifth-year seniors that went through a lot, and I know that it was a, a huge thing. Like We talked about on the turf right before you guys went to play Weber State, just how proud you guys were of bringing Montana at least – part of the way back, you know, getting back in the national playoffs, being a nationally elite team, being a seeded team in the playoffs, playing in the quarterfinals. But what, are, what were the biggest changes? I mean, what, what occurred within the program to help you guys get back on track? And, and just how proud are you of that legacy you leave with the Grizz?
2: Oh, man, you know what? It, it, it's kind of funny to say that. I don't think there was necessarily any changes with the senior class. Uh, as soon as we got in, we took that opportunity to just put our heads down that that's how we kind of came in and that's how we approached every single day. I mean, going back to freshman year, reflecting, we hated a lot just because we were the dummies of the football team uh, being pushed around. Um, but the way that we coped through it was we literally we just chill in the locker room after practices, before practices, and, and tell each other jokes to keep the spirits light. We just approached that mentality, of, hey, you know what? This is going to suck. This is not going to be the funnest day of our lives, but we're going to love it, and we're going we're gonna to force ourselves to love it, and we're going to put ourselves in a position to be successful, whether it be next week or down the road in a couple years. And uh, with that mentality, and like I said, being around some blue-collared men all, all year round uh, kind of shaped us to all grow together and push each other even more to that point where, hey, you know what, we were able to make the national playoffs and uh, compete for a spot. Obviously, it didn't turn out the way we wanted, but I'm so damn proud of uh, just being part of the program, you know?
1: You know, will you talk about that a little more, too, though? Because I think football, especially, you know, in the college football, is probably the biggest grind, certainly physically, but even in, in a lot of ways, of any of the sports. I mean, it's got the least number of games that you play. I mean, maybe a, a track has only a couple of meets, but you, know, you, you, you once a week and you go out there and it's all season long for like 9, 10, maybe 12 if you're lucky shots at this thing. How do you stay up, especially as a young guy, and you are the, the, the dummy, the punching bag, right, for especially on the offensive line for other guys to say, you know what, I'm going to find a way to enjoy this. Oh, man, that's
2: a lot of IBU pros, man. You know, uh, I'm just kidding. It's, not, it's, it's, uh, it's just a combination of things, man. It's really not for the weak-willed person. And, uh, and so I don't fancy myself necessarily strong-willed, but like I said, lean on to those guys. You know, those, those moments outside of football, um, like, for example, on Thursdays before games, we'd all meet up at McKenzie River, and it'd be eight to, uh, you know, about eight offensive linemen Ordering ten large pizzas and absolutely destroying that at McKenzie River, you know it was it was those moments in the summertime after workouts, going to float the river and coming back, you know it, it was those it was those moments of sanity that we were able to cope with it because we loved each other so much we loved being around each other and it, it went on to you know just build a camaraderie that we were able to build and uh, and it transferred you know it transferred it took some time but once we got the ball rolling we knew we knew we had something that we could you know we could use and uh and that was our goal you know just take it a week at a time um looking back at it man it it was so much it was so much to handle physically so much to handle mentally um but the fact of the matter is that none of that matter I sit here and I don't I don't think about that type of stuff I just think about how proud I am and how how lucky I am to to have been able to be given that opportunity to play at, at this university and get an education and be a first generation you know graduate and and come out of it knowing that I finished. That was the most important thing for me. Regardless of the injuries and ups and downs, it was just finish, finish, Angel. Finish the day, finish the week, finish the season uh, And to the best of my ability. you know. And I'm hoping that's transferred on to those, to those younger guys because the culture of the locker room is important. And I do believe that being around such great men all the time just creates an awesome culture that eventually, you know, I'm sitting here missing. I'm sitting here missing getting hit. I'm sitting here missing getting yelled out by the coaches, you know. Those are some, some, some of my favorite memories. And so uh, I guess I hope that
0: explains your question. Yeah, no doubt, man. We love it. Well, one of the best quotes I got last year was from Cy Sermon said, if you're going to make a 30-for-30 30 30 on anybody on this team, you make the 30-for-30 30 about 30 Angelville and way <laughs> So, I mean, not only just the football side of it, you know, breaking in early and then struggling with injuries and then getting back into your best shape and, and going out on top as a second-team all-league player, not just that, but just the way that your life transpired before, you know, you came to the University of Montana. I mean, just tell people a little bit about your story and and some of the the obstacles and adversity you went through as a kid and that kind of set the stage then for you persevering as a college football player.
2: You know, so I came from an area that was a little tougher to some, kind of a look down down upon uh, city when it came to just sports in general and education in general, and I had a choice uh, when I was in high school to either – either try to transfer my way out of there and just try to do something else. But I, 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 I love the thought of loyalty. So that was what I held on to when I was in high school. You know, be loyal to the program. It'll work itself out. Be loyal to the grind. It'll work itself out. And eventually it got to a point um, where it paid off. You know, it got to a point where, yeah, I had four, I think three or four different head coaches in the span of my four years in high school. So it was tough to get recruiting. And I literally would message um, uh, recruiters on my Facebook because I thought everybody's emailing here, everybody's calling them, but no, no one's sending them direct messages on uh, Facebook. So I would, I, w- I would message them and just kind of. That's how it kind of started, and it got to a point where a few, uh you know, colleges offered, and then Montana came rolling around. And I literally was like, "Where the hell is Montana? What is that? Is that redneck country? I don't know what the heck that is." You and nailed so it. Kinda, you got it. That's it. I that's net. what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. And so my head coach at the time, he told me, hey, man, like, I know it's a leap of faith, but commit to Montana. And I was like, well, I don't really know. You know, I was skeptical because I, I didn't know the recruiting world. I didn't know the ins and outs of it. I was a kid, you know, trying to make my way just like everybody else. And so he got to the point, he's like, trust me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to trust you. Hit the button, committed, took the trip out here, fell in love with the place, man. And just, dealing, just give, being able to get that opportunity to play at such a young age. You know, it's truly something special because it's something that I didn't expect. I just remember getting a uh, getting a call one day and said, "You want to play?" And I said, "Hell yeah, let's go!" And so I ended up playing out. And then as soon as I stepped on my feet, I was like, "What did I get myself into, man? These guys are six, six, three hundred. Oh my gosh, I'm just a little guy, you know." Um, but I mean, like like you said, just being able to play at that at that at such a young age has has provided me that experience to understand. Hey, you know what? You need to take different approaches when it comes to the game it's not no you know kind of kind of half-ass grind it's completely embrace yourself into this if you want to be successful and luckily i've had that that fortune of being able to play over, over time and time again and being able to earn the coach's trust um and even with the injury you know like i should have i should have been i should probably should have been done playing looking back at it um but it was just those guys that gravitated me to want to stay there it just that grind, that loyalty, that I wanted to finish it out, that I wanted to do it the right way. And so it, it, t- it, took, some, it took some big – it took a big look in the mirror uh, to really realize who I wanted to be. And, man, I just – the rest played out itself. You know, just put my head down to the grind and just kind of go out there and give it my ass through all and everything I got. And that's exactly what I did. So I have no regrets leaving the university.
1: I'm so proud. Angel Villanueva joining us five years. At the University of Montana, a fifth-year senior last season was an all-conference offensive lineman for the Grizzlies and, uh, and went all the way through. You mentioned you played the f- three different coaches through your four years of high school, and then you had a coaching change right in the middle, uh, basically, of your of your college days at the University of Montana. And what was it like to go through from the from Bob Stitt and Jason Seymour into Kent Bear or excuse and and uh on the opposite side with Bobby Haukby in there and uh, Brent Pease and so on, Coach Rosie, a very different sort of ideology in a lot of ways. How did you make that adjustment when that came about?
2: Oh man, I was humbled real quick. I remember one of my first experiences with Bobby. Um I obviously had a chance to talk to him a little bit and kinda you know, kinda congratulate him that I'm super excited. Um obviously uh, props to coach Sid. And obviously, like you said, there were different ideologies. Uh, but one of my first experiences with Bobby, we were at the spring game, and um, I believe there was a passing interference in my eyes. So I started pretending like I was throwing a flag, throwing a flag, you know, up and down, try, trying to say, oh, it's a PI He looked at me, he said, what the hell are you doing? You don't know football. Put your hand down. And I was like, oh, man. This is going to be a rough three or two years. Um, but it ended up being, he ended up being you know, one of my mentors, being able to sit down and, and grow with him and understand what he wanted for the program and being on the same page, it was important, you know, and then him understanding that, hey, you know what, we're going to work our butts off, um, but it's going to pay off, you know, just trusting that mentality, that 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 hard nose, hit him in the mouth mentality, um, you know, just kind of led us to where, where we left off. And I'm I'm so excited for, you know, these young guys that are in the program, the seniors, the juniors, freshmen, because they have... They have no idea what's going to happen, but I, I, I know it's going to be something special. And because I know they're not thinking about the future, they're thinking about right now and what's going on right now. And I know they're making the most of all the, all the circumstances and the situations that are going on right now. So, man, I, I love Bobby. I was real appreciative of the coaches, and I just can't say enough good things about them.
0: You mentioned you and the offensive lineman going out and eating a bunch of pizzas. That is such an offensive line-style story, right? I mean, offensive linemen are not only legendary for eating, but also legendary and we're traveling in packs, you know, rolling deep. Mm-hmm. Everybody's always together. But uh, when Bobby Huck first got this job, he he basically called you guys out. He said, "One one of the weakest units on the team. One of the things we got to fix is the offensive line. We don't have depth. We need to get some veteran guys, and we just need to improve." And you guys made that jump, and then this last year, we're dang good. And we're you know one of the key factors to Montana being having one of the most explosive offenses, one of the most high scoring offenses, not only in the Big Sky Conference but in the country. Well, what went into that? I mean, what, what, what did you guys think of that when Coach Out challenged you like that, and how were you guys able to make the transformation like you did and end last year with three all-league offensive linemen?
2: Oh, man, I'm telling you, we had to stay away from the pizza. Uh, that was a big, <laughs> that was a big uh, thing that we maybe had to change. No, just in general, um, we just sat ourselves down. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, we knew that we can't force each other to do it. It had to come from a place internally that we willingly wanted to, our, to, to, to submit ourselves to the program, cement ourselves to the weight room, cement ourselves to doing that extra work. So we spent day and night, all day, I'm talking about from 5 in the morning ten at night, taking care of our responsibilities, whether it be, hey, you know what, drink an extra cup of water, drink an extra gallon of water. Um, get instead of, instead of going for that fast food meal, go make yourself some chicken at home, you know? Just those little things that are so tedious to some You know, we really had to sit down and and kind of control for ourselves. And it got to a point where, obviously, like you said, we had some good return off of it. And I think, like I said, leaving the university um, and seeing those guys where they're at, I think we're going to prove to bring out some really good players just because they understand the grind. They understand what it takes and that they're hungry for it. Uh, So, like I said, man, just stay away from the pizza and, and the rest will play itself out.
1: Far easier said than done, I must say. i uh, <laughs> say away from the piece. I'm with you on this. I'll see you down at McKinsey. Uh, it's 2 tell New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans, 1029 ESPN Radio. Angel Villanueva joining us, uh, reflecting on his time at the University of Montana, five years. The Grizz is an offensive lineman. And, Angel, you you went through a lot on and off the field. What was your lowest point in your five years at the university, whether it was football-related or not? What was the lowest point for you?
2: Oh, as, as, as far as uh, the span of my collegiate career? Yeah. Uh, oh, that would have to be two points. One, where my house, uh, my apartment burned down. Uh, it kind of left my family stranded with nothing. Uh, that was super tough to do uh, because, obviously, because of NCAA rules, there's not much that I can do on my end. Uh, remember, I tweeted out a GoFundMe link, and my mom's not a, you know, she's not a beggar, but she, she got to a point where, she, hey, she needed just enough. I think it was maybe like $1,000, 1500 to get her, get her leg up you know get her feet off the ground to just put a down a deposit on some place and buy my my, buy my brother some groceries and buy them some some clothes because they had only one set of clothes and it got to a point where i almost got in trouble for that and so that was so low just to be able to experience uh, that pain and hurt from a distance and not being able to do anything about it it's just an unspeakable type of feeling i just don't i don't wish that on anybody you know the rules and regulations at ncaa i understand them i respect them but I was never gonna take advantage of the system. I just wanted to help out my family and because of it I couldn't. So that was that was super tough too. And then obviously the injuries, uh, being going from playing, you know, X amount of games and, you know, kind of feeling that I was on a path to, you know, play at the next level and compete at the next level and, and actually be able to perform at the next level, you know, and just kinda of getting that identity stolen away from me really set me down and put me back. And that's why I got into you know, that depressive eating, I got overweight. I just kind of, I didn't, didn't necessarily stop caring, but it was just a point where I felt helpless. You know, I felt to a point where I couldn't get out of bed. You know, I didn't want to get out of bed. And, you know, and that's where I speak about those, those men in the locker room that were like, hey, g- get your head out the water. You know, don't dig your, don't dig your, your hole any deeper than it already is. And so it was just like, okay, let's make the most of the situations. You know, the back surgery, the hip surgery, you know, the, the tears, you know, the, the nicks and the acts. The, the nerve pain, the nerve damage, that type of stuff, it got to a point where it was like, okay, how, how can I overcome this? And it was just slow but steady grind day by day, day by day, you know, taking my time to, hey, you know what, instead of going out there to party or, or be like a regular student, let me find a way to, to take take my butt home and stay home when the opportunity was given and work on my craft, go to the gym, you know, go run and go, go do that extra stuff. Uh, I remember Nick, big, big shout out to coach Nicholson. Uh, just being able to to come into his office and have that accessibility, I was in his office dang near every day, asking, "Well, what about this? What do you think about this?" And just under his guidance, he was able to kind of put me on the right track. So I I can't say enough good things about about Coach Nicholson and being there and helping he helping me guide and transform my body. I think it was it was such an awesome thing because I have such a new perspective. And you know, I I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of glad the injury happened now. Looking back on it, because. It, it changed my past. It changed who I want to be. It changed the man I want to grow into, you know? At the end of it all, I, I tell myself that, hey, you know what? Maybe it wasn't to get to the next level. Maybe it was to inspire those around me. And um, I just hope I did that. You know, I hope I did it the right way.
1: But Angel I got to ask you I mean okay you have just the stupidity of these NCAA rules that can't understand any difference from a real world need and like what a student athlete is you don't have to say it I'm saying it so okay it's okay and then <laughs> but, but you you're left in this tremendously helpless position where your family is in just desperate need after their their apartment their home burns and then you have this terrible injury as well. But anybody listening to you is inspired by you. Like you can feel how how optimistic and energetic and excited you are. What is it about uh, uh, you know about you and your experience that turned you? Talked about the guys in the locker room, Matt Nicholson, all that kind of stuff. But there's got to be something internal too, right? That says you know I'm going to push through this. Clearly, because you have what is that for you?
2: Well, I remember one time when I was in high school. It's it's just kind of a little snippet of. You know, that whole thought. I remember one time in high school, I think I was a, a freshman or sophomore. and I think it was my sophomore year. I got bumped up to varsity, and we were in the, the middle of hell week. And I remember our coach, he used to be. A, he ended up eventually getting a position to play, um, be an assistant at uh, university, uh, UCLA. And so I remember one time we were doing up-downs, we were doing up-downs, and he got to the point where I was like, man, I don't want to do this. What am I doing? I'm not built for this. Because I truly, I always look at it this way, and I always tell people, like, yes, I'm a big guy, but I don't think I'm the most naturally gifted in a lot of areas. But what sets me apart is just that willingness to, to endure the pain. And I remember was doing those up downs and doing those up downs. And he was looking at me and he said, like, that's how you got your soft, You're soft, You're soft. And I just remember looking at him and I remember uh, like so vividly the picture of that. You're soft, you're soft, you're soft. And in that moment I was like, I'm about to quit any up down now, but with him yelling at me, it made me realize that I just got to finish. I want to finish this. I want to finish this. And then after that, a couple months later, I had, I, had a, I had one of my teammates. Unfortunately, he came up to me and he was just like, you know what? Stick to track. You'll get an opportunity to track. Don't worry about it. Football, maybe football is not your thing. And so just just to just you know, constant reminders that, hey, you know what? You're not good enough. Lit that fire inside of me that said, okay, finish the day. Finish the workout. Finish the rep, you know? And that's the approach that I've taken, you know, since freshman, sophomore year. Because I didn't grow up playing sports. You know, I, I grew up. You know, in the Mexican household, what all I did was eat beans and tortillas, you know? So it was such a different change for me and a different way to think about life. But, you know, I wanted to do it. And it got to a point where, you know, my family started inspiring me. I looked at my little brothers and said, hey, you know what? I want to be a first-generation grad- graduate. I, I want to graduate with a degree to inspire my brother that you can do it. You know, I, I want to be, uh, uh, you know, an all-conference selection. I'm going I'm to shoot for all Americans. So it was. It was. I heard this thing that Matthew McConaughey said one day. He said, "He said my 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 superhero, my role model is me tomorrow, me in 24 hours, you know." And I've kind of taken that and you know, I thought about that. how can I be better in 24 hours, so I to look back and say, "Hey, you know what? In 24 more hours, that's my new role model. That's who I'm shooting to be, you know." And so that's how I kind of just go through those instances. It wasn't something major that happened. It was just so many little things that kept me down. That I decided, hey, I can overcome this. I can overcome me in 24 hours. 24 hours is gonna come, you know. And if it's not, thank the Lord. I'm ready to go. So, so it was just, it was just, it was, it was things like that that kept me going, and I built that fire. And uh, like I said, it just, there's so many things that I I can't, I can't be grateful enough for.
1: Angel, that's that's absolutely awesome, man, and congratulations again, being a first grad uh, first generation graduate, absolutely unbelievable and inspiring as well. I know to your family, to your siblings, and so on. What's in, what's the plan now? What are you gonna do? What are you up to as you're uh, you know rolling through? Obviously, we're all kind of in a holding pattern, I suppose, right now. But what <laughs> what, what what's the next step for you in your life?
2: Oh man! Well, right now I'm. Uh... I'm I'm working a little bit, you know. I I got a big boy job working at Affleck, so I'm grateful for the opportunity. And and really, I'm taking it day by day. I'm trying to I soak up this new this new lifestyle, you know. This 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 new angel that I, that I'm excited to see. You know, I've I, like I said, like I've stayed I've stayed away from some pizza. I started eating more veggies.
1: There you I go. I still find
2: myself. I still find myself getting gassed after maybe five or six steps. So that's a, that's a work in progress. Um, <laughs> and I'm just it, – it, it, I can't even tell you where I'm going to go, man. I just know that I'm taking it day by day. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for my opportunities. I'm networking. I'm learning. And uh, I think that's the most important thing. As long as I continue to strive and push myself and to want to learn and to, you know, help people any way that I can, um, I'm going to do it, and that's, that's what I think my life's about. And I think that's my
1: calling, and I think that's what I'm
2: meant to do. So we'll see where it goes down the road, but, I'm, I mean, I'm loving my life right
1: now. man. Well, Angel, I'll tell you what, it was awesome to, to watch you play, and it's even more awesome to watch your life and the progression that it's in right now and as it continues to go. We wish you absolutely the best. Thanks so much for being with us, and a huge pick-me-up to me and I think probably to anybody listening in uh, in a time where it's probably much needed. So we certainly appreciate your time and being with us, all right?
2: Oh man, well it's just it's just such an honor. I appreciate you guys more than you guys will ever know. You know, just the coverage it, it just means so much to me, man. So I'm, I'm truly grateful for it.
1: You got it. Well, we're grateful for you, Angel Villanueva, boy, boys and girls. Angel, thank you.
2: All right, take care. Thanks, guys.
1: How great is that, Coulter? I mean, it just doesn't get better than than a guy like that, a kid like that, uh, now a man like that showing the way, man. The 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 the, the kids are leading, right? The twenty two, twenty three year olds. Who's been through, I mean, been through uh, about as much as you could go through. Man, if you come out of Division One sports through five years, especially going through at the same place and, uh, you know, with all the differences, the changes happen for him personally and also within the program at large – you always say, why do you love writing senior profiles for Skyline Sports? Because anybody who's gone through four or five years of Division I athletics has a story to tell. And I'll tell you what, even within that, that's a story right there and an inspiring figure for sure. We appreciate Angel Villanueva being with us.
0: This group of gri- Grizz fifth-year seniors, especially the guys that came here as f- – freshman I mean they have a pretty interesting and crazy story and I think they deserve a lot of credit because I think that a lot of times no matter who the coach is so much of what you're sold about Montana in general particularly the football program is the tradition the prestige and so then to be that team that's kind of on the front end of not making the playoffs three years in a row when Montana just write it in permanent marker for 25 years they're in the playoffs to have to, like, endure that. And, I mean, the fact is, Montana gets covered more heavily than any other FCS school besides North Dakota State and Montana State. Montana, I mean, so you're under the spotlight all the time, so it's not as if you don't hear about it. I and mean, we were talking about it ad nauseum on this show. So to be able to persevere through that and then come out the other side and have a 10-win season, go to the quarterfinals of the playoffs, you know, all the things that they did accomplish down the stretch, those guys deserve a ton of credit for it. So stay tuned with us to tell nuances we – We'll have other interviews with Grizz, former Grizz seniors. Tomorrow we'll be joined by Cy Sermon right around the 5 o'clock hour, former uh, University of Montana center. On Friday we will be joined by Josh Sandry, former University of Montana safety, and uh, also efforting a couple other guys that were seniors on last year's team, uh, Dalton Sneed and Dante Olson. So we'll keep you in tune with those. But stay tuned Friday, uh, Wednesday and Friday at 5, Cy Sermon and Josh
1: Sandry. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, we'll uh, get to a couple of things, some updates for some kids that uh, won some awards in in basketball, Gabby Harrington entering the transfer portal for the Lady Grizz, and some spring sports athletes who are not playing this spring and what is going to happen with them. We'll get to a little bit of uh, high school stuff, some prep extra stuff. We'll do it right after this. 2TEL Nuwana's, 1029 ESPN Radio.
3: At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more.
1: Welcome back to Teller Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio. Rolling on on a Tuesday afternoon. Hope you're rolling. Hope you're well. Hope you are distancing socially, taking care of each other, making right choices, making good choices. The beauty of freedom also comes with responsibility, does it not? They've written books about this topic, so let's take care of each other out there, shall we? By the way, Carl Tyler... There's some Chevrolets for you, home of the lifetime powertrain warranty that lasts for as long as you own your vehicle, the Kyle, Carl Tyler Auto Group. Golter. I want to get to a couple of things here that, that uh, we had to talk about. I want to talk about Gabby Arrington, a couple of the spring sports athletes, but I just want to just mention a couple more things about the interview. Now, if you missed our interview just now with Angel Villanueva, get to the podcast and listen to it. That was as good as it gets. And... To take a guy who's been through some pretty unbelievable circumstances. I mean, his 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 mom's apartment burns down, right? With his siblings, his brothers, you know, uh, 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 the the place that they live. They got no clothes, no food, no place to go, and really not a lot of options financially as well to try and like immediately turn the thing around and find a place. He's hamstrung in terms of his hands are tied to to even try and help from a distance from you know Southern California up. Here in Missoula, Montana, as what, an 18-year-old I academy? Mean, this is a freshman in college that this is happening to. Terrible then injury later on in his career. And he looks back on all this stuff and he goes, Man, look at what I pressed through. Look at what I was able to overcome. And I think that, you know, a lot of times, I don't know if it's it's lost, but the the there is a level of equity of justice that we talk about a lot when it comes to student athletes their place in sport, in the world that is the NCAA, that is our American consumption of of the television and of everything like that, the performing, the entertainment value of it and all that. What do they get? What do they deserve? What's equal there? But also the pushing through and overcoming adversity and finding a way to get through the things and what that builds in you from a character standpoint and – I I think my guess is that there's a lot of people listening who maybe haven't been through all the things in the same way. Now everybody's been through their stuff. I'm not sitting here trying to compare anything, but that's tough right there to go through it. Yet who's happier, who's more excited at a time when everybody is trying to find a reason to be happy about something than Angel Villanueva working at Affleck with his degree, you know, and 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 moving on into phase two or even three of his life and you just couldn't be more excited about it. I just love everything about it.
0: It's what makes college sports great. It's what makes our jobs great. And we can argue till they're blue in the face if athletes should get paid or not. And I think there's a lot of merit to the argument that they should, but Adrian I got paid in a phenomenal way with an opportunity, but he also earned he earned it. He earned what he what the benefits were that he received. But I just love that. when he, I mean, when he says he's the first person in his family to get a degree, I mean, that's called maximizing an opportunity. That could change the arc of your entire family forever. That's, it's awesome that he was able to do that. And just the overcoming the personal and the individual obstacles and the team obstacles and the unit, the offensive line unit, those obstacles, it's cool, man. And it's what makes covering this level of football cool. And you know, that's why, I mean, it's my opinion that college football – with the exception of the U.S. military, is the last great proving ground for young men in American society. And you can talk about all the the injuries and the the head trauma stuff, and you know some people like to scream toxic masculinity, whatever. M- by and large, most guys that play college football, even if they might have you know, a little arthritis in their knee a little bit earlier than the rest of us, will tell you that it was absolutely the experience that changed their lives the most, and I think that's what makes – it's so cool to cover to talk about and to listen to, to to get to hear the experiences of guys like Angel Villanueva talking on our show.
1: Yeah, well, and I think too, I mean, along along those lines, look, it doesn't have to be either or. We can and should to should and need to take seriously things that we find out about CTE, about concussions, about safety in sports, about all that stuff. And also understand that. Part of the I don't know if beauty is the word, but part of the experience of especially a sport like football is some physical pain that you're gonna to have to overcome. You know, if it manifests itself in 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 a significant and terrible injury like it did for Angel Villanueva, nobody wants that. But also that's part of the risk that you run to play the sport. And I don't think that's gonna change in, you know, in a lot of instances. And you can work to maximize the level of safety while also not undermining what is an innate risk in what it is that, that you're going to do. And also, I think admitting to the real potential for good to come of that in a lot of ways that are not quantifiable, right? Like you can't, there's not a happiness quotient that you could just put on somebody's life to say, you know, this, that, or the other. You got to take it, you know, from, from the mouths of the guys that played. To your point, there's plenty of guys that played, Coulter, that have told us to our face, wish I wouldn't have played. Like, it it did a lot of bad and harm to me. The vast majority of guys say, I'm glad I played. Like, what, what I got out of that experience personally for my trajectory in life, for the memories that I was able to make, the relationships, all that kind of stuff, it's all there kind of uh, together. And y- you will... <coughs> I'm not saying they don't exist, they certainly do, but I think it's 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 four in the favor of, of guys who've actually gone through it and done it of I'm glad that I played football, I'm glad that I played sports in general, and uh, and and I'm better for it. Two tell two, nine, ESPN radio. Golster, so you want to get to some spring stuff here, especially with the high school kids, what's going on? Some kids that are uh, you know, absolutely top level division one future athletes that are now not gonna get an opportunity to participate in their senior years. Uh, at the high school level it's time for our prep extra segment it's brought to us by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907, an equal housing lender and member FDIC. And again, especially now, online. Farmers ebank.com. They got everything you need right there. You can do your transaction right from your device, right from home very easily. Great setup online for Farmer State Bank, farmersebank.com. But Coulter tell us about some of the high school kids that will not be participating in spring sports but who are still Certainly going to go on to have uh, hugely successful, outstanding college careers in in some of these spring sports, big-time players.
0: Well, I mean, the women's track we talked about, I guess girls' track at the high school level, we talked about that extensively last year because, in my personal opinion, several of the best prep athletes in the state of Montana, period, were the girls' track and field stars. They had some young ladies that were putting up historic numbers. I mean, Lauren Hagan at Missoula Sentinel – she broke and rebroke the all-class triple jump record multiple times. She put it so far out there, she broke the record by almost two feet. I mean, there had never been a girl that has gone over 39. She got up into the the low 40s, even flirting with 41. And then in some outside-of-high school meets in this quote-unquote season, she was flirting with more than 41 feet as well. So she's already signed to go to Washington. That's huge coming out of Missoula Sentinel. But she would have had a chance to put that triple jump record so far out there, she also was going to f- flirt with, if not, be the favorite four titles in the long jump and the one ten hurdles she 's a great all around track athlete and then you look at some of the other gals i mean delaney bond she has she graduated in the spring and she 's taken the year off, but now it 's going to delay whenever she can return i don 't know if she's abroad or what, but she set the long jump record last year, and there's a chance she could come back in the spring and compete. But instead, now that season's canceled. So uh, Delaney Bond, she's signed to go to Oregon State. So you're talking about two Pac 12 caliper uh, young ladies. And then there's just a, an array of other stud track people that are going to either go to the University of Montana or Montana State as well that won't get a chance. But when you're talking about, especially Lauren Hagan, I mean, she was going to put that triple jump record way out there. And, and it would have been something that, you know, maybe. I don't want to say would never be broken, but it would be very hard to break. And then the third one you got to mention is Angelica Street. She's from Columbia Falls. She signed to go to Texas A&M to throw the javelin, but she broke the all-class women's javelin record last year as well, uh, so she will not get a chance. I mean, when you're breaking the state record, you're shattering the state records at the state meet when you're a junior that only bodes well for you putting that record so far out there that nobody can touch it. So you feel bad for the, the track and field athletes. You feel bad for all the athletes. But I think that in particular, especially on the women's track side, there's a lot of kids that got their senior years cut short. I mean, Trey Tittinger on the men's track side, you got to mention him too, a hell a high kid who's been high jumping seven feet since he was 14 years old. He's once upon a time the U14 national champion. So his senior season canceled as well. So it, it's a bummer for these kids And I just wonder, I mean, I wonder, with a sport like track and field, we were talking about this when we were in Boise. Sean Malone from Idaho State, he won the Big Sky Conference in the long jump and qualified for nationals in the long jump, at the indoor nationals. The meet got canceled literally when he was on deck to long jump. So they come up and they say, you don't get to go. And so he he had a Twitter thread, and he was saying, well, let me just do three long jumps at Idaho State's long jump pit, have a – unconnected, certified NCAA official, come measure it. And let's just have all 10 guys that qualified for this thing do it on their home tracks all by themselves, and let's see who wins. I mean, there's no more cut and dry. If you long jump 26-8, you long jump 26-8. That's just what it is. So if you have an unattached, non-biased judge, I think you could do it. And you wonder, I mean, it would be harder to replicate the high school level just because of the facilities. But, I mean, who's to say? Why not just have some of these state championship caliber athletes Just go run a 1600 by yourself and have a a MHSA official time it and we'll see who's the fastest in the state. I don't know. I just feel like track's the one sport where you could replicate it all by yourself.
1: You could. You're right, though, about the high school level. I believe we're talking with our good buddy Craig Mettler, the uh, head track field coach at uh, Sentinel High School, who said, I I forget which venue it was, might have been one of the Kalispell schools, flat or whatever, but the, the, the javelin throws were always better there. and. It turns out like the run-up tracks downhill or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Seems a little not equitable, you know, if you got a little you know, a little downhill ramp into it. I could have had a much better hundred meter dash if I was, you know, jogging down the side of a hill. Seems to me. Maybe falling off a cliff. I could have broken twenty seconds. You know, that's what I that's what I think. All right, well, Coulter, thanks for taking it through us. Uh taking us through it, excuse me. We appreciate that. It's our prep extra segment again, brought to us by the Farmers State Bank. Online at FarmersEBank.com. You can still conduct all your business, whatever you need to do, online with the Farmer's State Bank, FarmersEBank.com. Nine Western Montana locations from the Bitterroot Valley all the way up to Kalispell, Helena, everywhere. So uh, go check out Farmer's State Bank. Been doing it in the state of Montana since nineteen. 19- o seven culture, one more thing we want to touch on here uh, before we take a break, but Gabby Harrington officially in the NC two a uh, transfer portal uh, she 'll be leaving the University of Montana. She was a starter as a sophomore and productive as a sophomore uh, uh, eleven points a game then this year they only started fifteen games, something like that and and her minutes uh, reduced significantly, still productive when she was in seven and a half points a game and you know, the the minute distribution was sort of I don't know, it was it was a little bit inconsistent except for uh except for McKinsey Johnston, who just played all the time for everybody. But, you know, uh, Gabby Arrington, certainly a very tough nosed, hard working player, and who's got so some some great skills and now has, you know, decided, okay, well, the, I, I don't know obviously all the reasons I'm speculating here, but if you watch the trend of the minutes played and all that kind of stuff, you go, okay, well, got to kind of see where that would be. But Gabby Arrington certainly a good player, player who is probably going to play quite a bit you would think of next season for the Lady Grizz now not going to be in Missoula.
0: When she was at her best, she was the best rebounding guard in the league, I thought. I mean, she a, her sophomore year She's a seven rebounds per game. Girl played on the wing, which is impressive. And then she added the three-point shot, which I thought helped her, but she did. She, her minutes fluctuated, fell out of favor. I mean, we have a lot of criticisms of the Lady Grizz program, but I think one of the criticisms is the fact that they've had girls that have had such fluctuating roles, and no one's ever been able to really hone a specific role for their whole careers, particularly in the second half of their careers. I mean, Taylor Goligoski was one of the Lady Grizz's leading scorers her freshman year. And she was a bench player her senior year. And that's okay if that's what your role is defined as. I'm just not sure if, that ever, if it ever was defined. It's the same thing with Gabby Harrington. She goes from sophomore starter to then starter early in this year to then not starting and hardly playing. So I'm not surprised that she left. I think she was kind of the one that was the, the odd gal out in the situation. But uh, by my count, I think that's nine or maybe even ten girls that have left the program over the last three years during the offseason without exhausting their eligibility, and in most cases not suffering any sort of career-ending injury either. So it's a point of concern, certainly. You don't want to be losing talented players, but also you don't want to be misusing talented players. I think that if you have a girl like Gabby Harrington, everyone has strengths and weaknesses. If you're going to bring her off the bench, you got to empower and say, okay, you're going to be our our bench juice. You're going to be you know when you're when you come off the bench, give us give us a couple quick buckets in transition. Be the offensive rebounder, crash the glass. And you can just tell that her role is faded towards the end of the year. And uh, she's a talented player. She'll land somewhere, and I think she'll be good. The other thing is, you know, just in my confirmation of her landing in the portal, she's entered as a graduate transfer as well. So if she transfers somewhere, she can play right
1: away. Yeah, it's a good, certainly a good thing to know. Congratulations on being a grad transfer. That's a a nice thing to have and to be able to do. It's to tell New Nuñez. 1029 ESPN Radio. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up here on the show. In particular, tomorrow morning, a uh, conversation with Bobby Houck and Ken Haslam. They're going to do a conference call, talk about the state of affairs at the University of Montana and the athletic department. So we'll take a look at that and a couple other things to wrap up on a Tuesday afternoon. Back right after this.
3: At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more.
1: But I don't have an answer. I'll Welcome back to one to tell Orleans, 109 nine ESPN Radio. Let's to fall now Mildenberger Motors in Hamilton, serving Western Montana for over 60 years. Get in and test drive a Duramax, GMC, or Chevy. Feel the difference and get the best deal at Mildenberger Motors. Coulter, while I continue this, will you just do me a favor on your computer? Just look up the new Chargers logo, would you? Okay, because I want to talk about this a little bit more because I'm so confused. By the way, also while you're there, look up the new Rams logo. Everybody in Los Angeles trying to do an update, okay? So just I just want to see if you're seeing what I'm seeing or maybe not seeing what I'm not seeing. Uh, thanks for being here, boys and girls. Happy Tuesday to you. Hope you are well. If you would like to listen to the show, if you missed anything in it, including our Absolutely phenomenal interview. Not because of us, because of him with Angel Villanueva. Check it out on the podcast. The podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. It's available all the time. Just search to tell nuanas, rate, review it, subscribe. We appreciate that. It's brought to us by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications getting us that podcast up and going. We appreciate them very much for it. Uh, is this is this? Did I see this right? That there's actually a new Rams logo too. I think both Los Angeles teams are they moving into the new barn this year? Is that the idea? It's another year out, right? Isn't it? But anyway, they're trying to upgrade their their logos or whatever. Okay, I looked at the Chargers logo. It's on you know the, it's it's actually under the heading like on NFL.com Chargers. You know, changing their logo or upgrading uh, uh, their logo. Upgrade with a shift to powder blue, it says. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, Chris Berman has been screaming about powder blue in the San Diego, then Los Angeles Chargers for a long, long time. They have been basically in the white uniforms with the powder blues. as their. The last time I saw the dark blue, you know, the old school, like when you think of Junior Seau in a Chargers jersey. I mean, it's been a decade at least since they've been in that. They've been in the white powder blue. I'm looking at this thing, this new Chargers logo. I see nothing that's different. It's just the Chargers logo. I mean, we need to get Sean Rainey in here to iron this out first because I see absolutely nothing. Now, I have done less research. I just saw this on Twitter about the the the, the, the new Rams logo. If if that's real, the Rams have tanked it it's a clear difference and it's horrendous if that's what it is I'm still I haven't gotten like what I would consider a reasonable source to confirm that this is what the Rams are up to here on this so I'm going to try and find this out and probably talk more about this in the week but am I wrong if you are going to change a thing you gotta let it has to be clear to people like what's new here the change from the Osprey to the Paddleheads—that's unmissable. Okay, that much is clear. We see the very the difference there, and all the new, you know, uh, uh, logos and that kind of thing. Which, well, by the way, we are going to talk more about that later on this week. What's going on with the Chargers? Can you help me?
0: Well, I mean, I know that just because they don't—they haven't exclusively worn the powder blues, they still wear the the dark blues from time to time. But your alternative colors and your colors. Can be different, and even if you wear your alternative uniforms more often, it doesn't actually make them your official colors until somebody says that. There's also a lot of colleges. At least this used to be a thing, and they, a lot of most schools have streamlined it now. But used to have school colors and spirit colors. Like when the University of Montana went from copper and gold to maroon and silver, the argument internally was, "We're not changing our colors." We're just going to, I can't remember which one it was. We're either going from spirit to school or going from school to spirit. Regardless, there was a claim that the color, both sets of colors had always already existed and they just wanted to streamline it. But I think the, the Rams is so interesting. All the people that we know that work in internal uh, athletic departments and, and media marketing, things like that, They're all widely praising the Rams logo, not because of the design of the logo, but because the Rams managed to erase all evidence of their old logo from every corner of the Internet. It's obviously not possible to fully do it, but the Rams basically purged their internal site and everything else across the board so that you can't find their old logo. I'm sure you can certainly find it on Google still, but they try to do their best to make the new logo the only logo. So then it doesn't matter what you think. You better get used to it because it's the logo. But, I mean, I don't know, man. I've never been much one into any of this. But I agree with you. I don't think the Chargers looks much different.
1: Okay, the Rams thing I'm looking at now. So this is official, and this is very different. Okay? Now, they've done the L.A. thing where the Ram horn is coming out of the letter A, and so you have that. I don't think it looks great, but it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I see what you're trying to do here and get, like, a little – lettering symbol, you know, kind of deal, which I don't know that they ever had before, right? Did you, if it was the Rams, it was always just the Rams head. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't the LA part of it. So they're trying to integrate to the city there. That's fine. I I, I don't think it looks great. I don't think it's awful. I am seeing two different versions of the Rams head though. Now, two new versions. Okay. Okay. The old ram's head is a straight profile, right? Like, it's it's like a two-dimensional, you're looking at the flat profile of the head of the ram. There's two new ones. One of them is cool. One of them looks like it's basically that same ram, but it's 3D'd and it's turned at just slightly an angle, so you're getting a little bit of depth to it and there's some, you know, strength in it. I think the horn itself looks a little more uh, horny. Can I say that? Like, it kind of looks... I don't know, like it looks more like it's a bone and skull, you know, like a horn is supposed to look. The other one, though, that I'm looking at right now is egregious and offensive in every single way. I mean, this is one of the worst looking things I've ever seen. If you didn't, it, you know what it looks like? It looks like a polar bear growing a yellow banana out of the top of it. That's what it looks like. And if you look at this, you will agree with me. This is an objective fact. This looks like the more – like this is the one on the cover of their website, this awful-looking one. The other one I just saw on a Google search, it looks much, much better. If this is the one they're going to, that's fireable. That is, if this is your job, what you did to do this, you no longer have a job with the organization. If they go with the other one, that I'm fine with, I'm into. Also, I got to say, the bright yellow for the Rams with the, with the bright blue – that's the way to go, and if you go all white with it, I'm fine with that too. I like the all whites with the Rams. They got to be done with the gold and navy thing. You're in Los Angeles. Let's go with the hot, you know, cotter colors on that, which they have done here. So the color scheme, I'm fine with, and two thirds of this, I'm okay with. But this what this is this is terrible right here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where it is what it is, and you're just gonna have to get used to. It. I agree, it's not great. I mean, everybody was complaining about it's awful. Everybody's complaining about the uh, switch from the Osprey to the Paddleheads. And we'll get more into that tomorrow, uh, just to, as far as the situation, how that might affect all this MILB stuff. But at least the Paddleheads' logos are sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, they did a good job. They, I think they won actually top logo in minor league baseball before the season even started. Uh, but I don't know, man. I don't really get much into it. I, I, it's such a low priority for me. Like, I hate the Vikings colors. It's the only team I like is the Vikings. I don't like their colors. I don't have any Vikings
1: gear, none, because I don't want to wear purple. Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's fine. I know you're not into it. You're into, like, you know, not even plaid, but, like, striped shirts. So that's that's <laughs> fine. Uh, I I just don't understand. Here's what I think. There's a couple teams that, when they've changed their logos, have upgraded them. And then, but regularly, like the old Broncos uniforms are so much better than the newest uniforms that they instantiated like fifteen years ago. I mean, those are some of the worst uniforms in professional sports. I love the Broncos. What are you doing? Orange crush, dark blue, the D on the helmet, done. That's it. That's what you are. Go with that. What is this? This weird looking uh, shapes that are asymmetric and and just rigid and ugly. Same thing with Tampa. The old pewters, great. The new ones, awful. Awful. It's as bad as it gets. Anyway, it it just doesn't seem like it should be that hard. Tomorrow, Kent Haslam, athletic director of the University of Montana, and Bobby Howe, head football coach of the Grizzlies, going to be on a media conference call, question and answers, uh, just talking about – all the, the the things pertaining to the current situation in relation to the athletic department of the university of Montana, the athletic department of the university is one entity. We have not heard one word from on, on this. We've heard communications from the university in general and things that have gone on, but not from the university uh, or from the athletic department directly. So this will be the first opportunity now to kind of get a handle on where, the school is at within the scope of the larger context of, you know, COVID-19 and, and their response to it and what their expectation is. So we will have uh, that, that conference call is in the morning. We will uh, intend to, we plan to bring you uh, portions of that for the show that are, you know, that are relevant and interesting. And obviously if there's anything that we need to know, or if we find out from that thing, uh, we will certainly bring that to you uh, tomorrow. So just one more piece uh, for you tomorrow, and girls, thanks for being with us. On this Tuesday, we hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe, stay apart, and enjoy each other on the internet.